Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Okay. Hello, everyone. Buonasera a tutti. My name is Stevie Kim, and this is the Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. Welcome, everybody. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, Hugh Pris. Ciao, Benjamino. Ciao, Stevie. Hello. Ciao, Stevie. How are you? Alrighty. Are you guys ready to rock and roll? Absolutely, uh, yes. Okay. So, for the folks, I think everyone knows what this is all about. This is called the Ambassador's Corner on, on Clubhouse. And we have this Italian wine club going since a couple of years, I guess. No, actually, yeah, a couple of years, maybe 18 months or so. And um, it has been hugely successful because every Thursday, 6 p.m. Central European time, we have one of our ambassadors at large from... Vinital International Academy, and on few exceptions are friend ambassadors, Italian wine ambassadors. They choose their favorite wine producer, Italian wine producer, of course, and they do kind of the deep dive fireside style with their favorite wine producer. And today we have Hugh Priest, who has chosen Beniamino D'Agostino. Let me just say, quickly say hello to Laika. Of course, she's a our clubhouse manager. Ciao, Laika. Ciao, Stevie. What's up? Where All are good. you? All good. All good. Usually, you're like on a train. <laughs> you always have bad Wi-Fi. Are you okay? Are you at home? Yeah, yeah, I'm home. I have to say that we started the Ambassador's Corner in July 8th. And now... It's oh, my been, God. It's almost yeah, our anniversary. Yeah, exactly. And every, every week rigorously we have been producing a show so i know hugh he used to have a have a room of your own right i did yes uh, whatever the, happened to that everything started to open up again and i had to get back to work <laughs> you see we we believe in consistency consistency we still work but uh, we really think this is a fantastic platform to have our ambassadors interview their producers. And we do, of course, replay it on the Italian Wine Podcast. By the way, for those who of you who are unaware, we have um, become number one wine podcast, not in America, not in Italy, in the world as of May. So we're very, very excited about that. And of course, the Ambassador's Corner is one of the favorites. So congratulations to everybody. And thank I'd love to thank all the Mod Squad, including the VIA community at large. So please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your pods. It's Italian Wine Podcast. And I started a sister channel. It's called Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Yeah, don't ask. Um, it's That's the YouTube channel. So check that out and please subscribe. Hi, Joy. Ciao, Joy. Joy is our um, Italian wine podcast producer. 
She's working. We're driving her crazy today. Actually, Friday is her usually crazy day. Joy? I'm here. Hi. Yes, she's right next door to me, by the way. And do you want to say anything to our audience today? I certainly do, everybody. This is super important, and I'm I'm super invested into this. So I would really appreciate it, and so would everybody who works at IWP. Could you guys, on July the 1st to the 31st, if you have a few seconds, um, go on to the Italian Wine Podcast, and there will be a link from July 1st onwards, where you can go and vote. It will only take a second. We are basically running in the running for an award, the best podcast listening platform through the podcast awards, the people's choice. And of course, me being uber competitive, I'm like super into this. I would love it if everybody went and (laughs) voted. Just, Just do it. July the 1st. After that, go onto the podcast click the link and vote. And, and that would be awesome. I'm sure. I mean, I think like, and everyone at the, um, the social media team will have the information out there for you. So, you know, it's a small ask. We do do, um, do this every single damn day. I'm driving everyone crazy. Um, we do have a daily show now since the pandemic. So I, and, and the numbers are showing. So I know there are lots of you out there in May. We had 330,000 listens just on SoundCloud. So I know there are many of you out there. So if you are listening to this and you listen to Italian Wine Podcast, please follow the instruction and vote for Italian Wine Podcast. Okay, on with the show. That's it. That's enough self-promo for the moment. Uh, Let's get on with the show. So, of course, Hugh Priest is our friend and our Italian Wine Ambassador's um, where where do you actually live here in New Jersey? I do. I live in New Jersey, Long Branch, the Jersey Shore. Right. Oh well, you have the beach and stuff. That's why you're so like relaxed. Yes, that's why I'm so chill. <laughs> and of course, um, he is an entrepreneur. He owns several restaurants, and um, he does some educational um, stuff with Italian wine. And he is a truly an Italian wine ambassador. So, and you know, lots and lots and tons of Italian wine producers. Why did you choose Beniamino uh, D'Agostino for our call today? Well, I, you know, um, Benny, uh, Benny and I have known each other for a while, but it wasn't, um, I didn't really meet Benny until after I had uh, sampled some of his wines and some of his uh, white wines, which are absolutely incredible from his region of Puglia. Um, and I thought that, you know, what they're doing down there, uh, I'd like everyone else to, to hear about the projects they're working on and their sustainability program. And, you know, I think in another life or a past life, Benny and I were uh, brothers at one point. Oh, I see. Is that the, is that the avatar you have? Uh, that is, yes. Yeah, I love, I love Hugh because every time there's a call, he has a different avatar. It's 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 truly a labor of love on, on Clubhouse. <laughs> I I think Benjamino has has one too. One of you. Uh yes, We're, that's uh, here at the restaurant in Princeton. Oh, so that's one of um, one. You have a big chain at um, at your restaurant. Uh yes. So I I make all the. Aha! Uh-huh. I, I see. I still take a picture with me in that big chair. Oh, that's nice. That's a great idea. 
I, I still have to make it out there. Already. So what are our learning objectives from Benyamino's call today? Well, I want to, I want uh, everybody to obviously, uh, I'm sure they're familiar with Puglia, but I'm uh, focusing on the uh, inland side of Puglia. Uh, Where is he located exactly? Uh, he is located around the town of Gravina, which is um, straight west of Bari, uh, on the border of uh, Basilicata. Aha. And are you serving um, his wines at your restaurants? I do. I serve his Primitivo by the Glass. And oh, I, so you have a gla- by the Glass program. I do. And I also have uh, four or three of his bottles, uh, other bottles uh, that I serve by the bottle. Okay. And what is kind of the best-selling... Um, I guess wine. I, I guess the by the glass, right? Yes, by the glass is uh, by far. Um, it's the primitivo, so you know it. It helps bridge that uh, knowledge uh, for my staff to teach people that primitivo is Zinfandel. So, um, right, and it sells like wildfire. Okay, so they do make that connectivity from primitivo to Zinfandel. They do actually, and, and actually, you know, the the response out of it is like, "Wow, I've never had Zinfandel like this before. This is incredible." Right. Okay. What about the Fiano and Greco? How how do you make them more familiar to to your um to your customers? Um, well, it's uh, all hand sells, so it's it's you know proper education education of the staff. Um, Usually when somebody's looking for a bottle, a recommendation, um, you know, the staff will try to get what they're, what they're looking for in a, in a bottle and they'll gravitate toward, um, they have an easy drinking uh, wine, which we'll talk about called Botro. Um, and then we also have a higher, um, a higher premium uh, label uh, called Gravina, which is incredible. Okay, very good. Listen, so for everybody who's listening um, to today, but also I replayed on the podcast, Hugh Priest did another call with Ariano Kipinti uh, way back, and it is one of our most popular um, episodes. So go check that out. We have a playlist of the Ambassadors Corner on Italian Wine Podcast. So Check that out. We had Ariana and, of course, amongst the iconic women of Italian wine at Vinitli with Foradori, with Incisa della Rocchetta, with, um, of course, um, um, Antinori and Allegrini and Chiara Boschi. So it was a fantastic um, session. And we also have that on replay as well on Italian Wine Podcast. The recording um, isn't so great. But if you are interested, you should check that out as well. I think it's in like four different series, four-part four series. So I'm going to pass the mic um, to you, Hugh. Uh, now I will now shut up and come back towards the end to see if there are any questions from the audience. Take it away, Hugh. Thank you, Stevie. Appreciate it. Always um, your support and allowing me to do stuff like this. Um, hello, everybody. Um, and be a community and everyone else who's out there. Um, today's guest I'd like to introduce um, is uh, a winery from Puglia. And uh, as many of you know uh, about Puglia, I'm just going to bore you with some 
uh, general detail of um, its location, uh, which is in the southeastern part of Italy. Uh, if you're looking at the map, it's the heel of the boot. Um, it's the easternmost uh, point uh, region in Italy. And um, its landscape is a little peculiar compared to um, the rest of the Italian regions, um, where over 50% of it is plains um, and only 2% of it mountains. So, um, and it's very hot down there, very dry and not much rain. So, um, as we move forward, I'm going to first introduce my guest and my uh, brother from the past is uh, Beniamino D'Agostino. How are you, my friend? Ciao, 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 Stevie, ciao, uh, you. So pleased to, to, to be here. Thanks for your kind words, obviously. Uh, I'm sure that we was brothers uh, strictly connected bit because uh, in Italian we say two words are uh, called affinità elettive and uh, is uh, related when two people since uh, the first moment that they met uh, immediately have uh, a fantastic uh, you know feeling a fantastic connection and this is what was uh, what happened with you since the first moment thanks uh, also to stevie for this opportunity i you know as a wine producer in puglia uh, and uh, selling my wines in the united states uh, since 1997 uh, I was following you since, uh, I think, the early days of your career. And I'm so thankful to you uh, for all the, 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 the things that you do for the promotion of Italian wines in your country. Hello? Yeah, hello, sir. Okay. So thank you, Benny. Um, I appreciate those kind words. And I appreciate your time, uh, making time out of, out of this busy day of yours. Um, you know, first, you know, I would like, um, maybe you could tell us where your winery is located. I kind of gave a general vicinity, but, uh, tell us a little more about the history of your winery, um, and the location. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we are, uh, literally a first generation winery because, uh, it started as Botromagno in September, 1991. Uh, but the story of the winery is uh, very, very old and long uh, and strictly connected with the heritage of this area. We are in a small town called Gravina in Puglia. It's a 42,000 inhabitants city located in uh, exactly the middle of uh, the hill of the booth, uh, that is Puglia, but not on the sea in the inland. We are only six miles far from the border with Basilicata. We are in a very different, I can say, area uh, because now, luckily, a lot of people from all over the world and from the United States know very well uh, Puglia because it's uh, renowned uh, as a touristic uh, and food and wine uh, place to be after the usual Tuscany and Piedmont and Veneto uh, in Italy. Uh, but uh, um, thinking about us, we are quite different because we are in the inland. Uh, we are uh, in about uh, uh, 500 to 600 meters on sea level. And this is so unusual for uh, uh, 
Puglia and south of Italy, uh, is a very hilly area that in some parts, especially during the spring when all is green, reminds uh, Tuscany, you know, the, the Chianti Shire. We are something like that. Uh, we have no influence by the sea because we are 70 miles far from the Adriatic Sea on the east side and 70 miles far from the Ionian Sea on the south side. Um, Botromagno started in 1991 for, I can say, an accident, because at that time I was a lawyer. Uh, the president of the local cooperative, founded in 1951, was a close friend of my father. They are having uh, huge economic problems. They are very close to bankruptcy. And uh, asked my father to call me that I was a business lawyer in order to try to find uh, some investor to save uh, the winery. After a few months studying the papers, uh, I have realized that I know very, very few things about the heritage and the history of my land. Uh, I understand and learned that my land has a very noble and ancient history. You think that the first traces of developed viticulture in this area are dated more than 3,000 years ago, 8th, 9th century before Christ. Uh, and I have learned that that was, at that time, and, and still we have now, a bit, uh, the, probably the most uh, important at that time, white wine appellation called Gravina, after the name of the town, as uh, usual in south of Italy, when the wine is made uh, blending two different grapes, and you cannot give the name of the grape to the wine. And at the moment, I literally fall in love with the winery, with the story, with the heritage, and decided to stop being a lawyer and starting uh, to be a winemaker. Excellent. Great history. I love it. I love it. I love it. So tell me, what makes that region a little different uh, when it comes to the soil? Can You know, um, Puglia is generally rich in iron. It's, you have the Terra Rosa soil. Tell us about your soil um, in particular. Yeah, uh, just uh, you can imagine this. Having an appellation only white in south of Italy is something like that is nonsense because uh, Puglia, <coughs> Sicily, Basilicata are really well known for obviously their red wines. Uh, the reason is the perfect combination of uh, soil and altitude. The soil is uh, a white stone tender soft stone is a limestone called tufo uh, the altitude i said to you and the other characteristic is a big difference in terms of temperature between day and night especially uh, during the summer when is the decisive moment of the maturation of the grapes every year even during those days that is very very hot today here is 100 degrees fahrenheit is about, I think, something like 42. During the, the night, the temperature rises down uh, to the half. And this is absolutely helpful, helpful for the elegance, the fineness, the minerality, and the acidity of the wines. We have a very, very sl uh, small part of fertile, you know, terroir. And then the roots of the vineyards go directly into this 
stone called the tufo. Uh, tufo is absolutely carsick, and when we have rain, the rain immediately goes deep in the underground, in the in the underground rivers, and uh, the the vineyards to survive and find the nutrition have to match a perfect symbiosis uh, with the humidity that remains in these stones. Another spectacular interaction is uh, between the roots of the vineyards and this stone is that during the prehistoric age this area of Puglia was completely covered by the Mediterranean Sea and these stones that are like sponge are really really full of salt and this saltiness is the bad taste that you find in our white wines. This is true. This is what drew me to uh, to your Gravina. It was uh, incredible. Um, so, you know, you mentioned rain. Um, you know, Puglia is very dry in its, uh, in, in generally speaking. You know, do you get much rain in your location and, and being in higher, higher altitudes? Thanks God, we are really, really in a in a in a hidden, hidden, wonderful place to grow correctly the vineyards. You think that, uh, uh, in difference of many other areas, uh, at the moment this is the less affected area of Italy from the climate changes. We do not have any big anticipation of the harvest in cause of uh, the rise of the temperature. And we still continue to have good rain during the winter. Just two weeks ago, we had a week of rain, despite there is one of the, the hottest July, uh, hottest June ever of the history. Uh, and also in January and February, we have some uh, snow. And this, this helps a lot because the reservoir keeps for a long time the water after uh, the, the, the snow. Excellent. Um, so, you know, when we talk about Gravina, um, you had mentioned it's a town, but it's also a DOC. Um, can you, uh, tell us a little more about this DOC? I, I know it was founded in 1983. Um, what was the importance of, uh, of creating this DOC? Sure. Um, is an appellation, uh, the importance, first of all, is because, uh, uh, it, is, it was and it is the first white wine appellation of Puglia. And in Puglia, obviously, probably 85% of the production is based on red and now a little bit more of rosé wine. Uh, then, because this wine has a great, great, great story. Uh, I said before, you think that the first traces of the production of this wine are dated 8th, 9th century before Christ. There is a huge necropolis in the area of Gravina on the Botromagno Hill from where we have taken the name of the winery because, sorry, this is a, you know, a little parenthesis. When we have saved the cooperative from the bankruptcy, uh, strange but true, the people from Gravina wasn't looking to my family in a good way. They was thinking that we are, we was stolen uh, a public property, uh, transforming the cooperative from public company to private company. And for this reason, we decided at that moment not to give, as as usual, the, the name of the family to the winery, 
but the name Botromagno. Botromagno in Latin is a, a blend of two words, uh, botrus and magno. Botrus in Latin means bunch, you know, the bunch of the grape. And magno means big. Big bunch because this hill, the Botromagno hill, was a fantastic, fantastic place where to grow uh, the vineyards. You think uh, how nice is uh, the microclimate of this hill that in 2010, 15 minutes of very, very hard hail completely destroyed 11 hectares of uh, our estate. Our agronomists say that uh, there isn't any possibility to recover that vineyard. Then, after two years, only two years, the vineyard was up again, completely, perfectly functional. Because this terroir is absolutely fantastic for uh, the grapes. And I say, do you think that the first traces of the commerce of this white wine are dated during the Roman Empire? Gravina is based on exactly in the middle of one of the most important uh, Roman highway, we call it, the Via Appia, that from the southeast, the port of Brindisi, the most important commerce port with Magna Grecia during the Roman Empire, um, the, the goods go through Magna Grecia to Gravina, then Naples and Rome, and there are traces of the selling and commerce of this wine that, that at the time was called Verdeca di Gravina, even during uh, uh, the, the, the Roman Empire. So let's, let's move into your white native grapes um, that you're growing there. Tell us, tell us about um, how Greco and, and Fiano um, made their journey into, um, into Puglia, into your region. Uh, the secret is very simple. Once again, sorry to be repetitive, but uh, the secret is uh, the microclimate, is the terroir. Uh, in this part of Puglia, uh, grapes like Greco, like Fiano, like Falangina, like Malvasia, and you know you that uh, is quite the same grape that you find back in Campania, uh, especially in the Avellino area, the Greco di Tufo area. Here we have the perfect condition, climate condition, to have not heavy white wines very elegant, very mineral, very salty, very food-friendly. Here it's very easy to grow and very easy to transform the grape in a juice, in a wine, that uh, go on the palate of the final customers, giving to him exactly the same sensation that he finds if he came here in Puglia on our hills and smells our spontaneous herbs and try our simply but authentic food that pairs wonderfully with those native grapes. Excellent. We'll get into food uh, at the end of this and what, what you uh, what you're pairing with some of your wine. Oh, um, the characteristics of your whites and in particular the the Fiano and, and the Greco. Um, is there a marker we should be looking for when we're tasting your wines? Oh, uh, yes, for sure. I think that uh, especially if you, I, I, 
I tell you uh, this uh, this story. This is a nice story. Uh, many years ago, uh, a journalist, I don't want to say the name for obvious reason, uh, uh, Nunzio Castaldo, at the time he was uh, the vice president of Weinbow, my national importer in the United States, sent some samples of Gravina Bianco to this famous journalist to have a tasting. And the journalist said to Nunzio, please know I'm bored of this AB white wines that are coming from south of Puglia. This was happening in 1998. You, you have to understand this. Uh, Nunzio, that is, was a, a, a fantastic guy, it is a fantastic guy, he's a clo- clo- close friend of mine, decided to be a little trick. That week, this uh, journalist have uh, a, a, a blind tasting of white wines from Friuli in a famous restaurant in, the, in, in Manhattan, in the center of New York. He uh, gives some money to a waiter and add one bottle of Gravina, obviously uh, folded, to this tasting. And at the end of this tasting, the number 13, I still remember, of the sample had an 89 points from this journalist. At the moment, uh, Nuncio revealed the trick to this journalist that is a friend. And the journalist said to Nuncio, okay, I was wrong. I'm a journalist. I have to taste everything. I do not have any, you know, uh, uh, idea before tasting the wine. Probably this is the best way for me to show to you which is the characteristic. Our wines are like uh, the northern, most of northern Italian wines, but for me, white wines, but for me with a little bit more hint of character that is given by the minerality and the saltiness. I do uh, detect a, you know, the piercing uh, minerality when I'm drinking that wine, and it's just you know incredibly refreshing and elegant, which uh, made me fall in love with it. So, um, thank you. What um, what other native whites are you growing, and um, that you can tell us about? I do know you grow Chardonnay there as well. Mm, about the Chardonnay, uh, yes, but we are we have only two hectares of this grape. Uh, and we sell many locally. We train it in organic way. Uh, the reason is that we have bought this uh, uh, vineyard from an old firm of uh, uh, the local cooperative. And it was uh, a unique uh, vineyard because it's the only Chardonnay that I know that is planted and trained as a pergola, is a tendone, is our traditional way to grow. Uh, and for this reason, we have decided to keep. But even if you taste the Chardonnay, that is the only international grape that we have here, immediately you can find, once again, the characteristic that you find in the Gravina. And it's difficult to find in other Chardonnay from France or from New Zealand or from, you know, uh, uh, Napa Valley. Uh, once again, is not powerful in alcohol, is not fitted to go in oak, and it has a real, real nice finesse, elegance, acidity, and minerality. Excellent. And any other whites? Are you you're growing Falangina, I believe? Yes, yes. We grow Falangina. Uh, Falangina, for me, is one of the most versatile 
white grapes. Uh, is a typical white grape from Campania, but uh, Falangina have found uh, the perfect terroir in the central northern part of Puglia. It is produced usually also in the northern part nearby Foggia. Uh, is a, for me, is a, is a wine that uh, is, uh, you know, the perfect uh, summer white wine. It's a wine that you can drink hugely with absolutely not thinking to have it anything, maybe enjoying uh, an oyster by the sea, uh, chatting with your friends uh, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on uh, an afternoon, uh, summer afternoon. Yeah, we call that porch pounding wine. wine exactly. That you can just, yeah. yeah, excellent. Exactly. I love it. Um, so um, these wines um, were traditionally from or native from um, Campania, but they, they've been in your region for hundreds of years. Um, and I believe they were, they were brought by uh, King Frederick II in the 12th century. So they do have a long tradition in that area. Um, you know, so they've, they've um, adapted and have created their own uh, personalities to say, a Pullian personality, which is, which is incredible. Uh, the, the minerality and, um, you know, and the freshness of these wines. So, um, are all your wines, um, trained on the Tendoni or do you train them on, um, different, different, um, structures? Uh, first of all, uh, uh, you just to, uh, be a little bit more specific. No, all these grapes are coming from Greece in my area not from Campania, oh. are imported from Greece. Greco, Fiano, Falangina, and Malvasia. They was imported in this area at the same age when they was imported and planted in Campania. And the period of adapting is uh, like 3,000 years ago. About the reds, Primitivo is more recent, is about 1,200 uh, 1, imported from Benedictine monks. Uh, and also the Montepulciano that we have in our area was imported here. Also the Aglianico, as other red, was imported imported directly from uh, from Greece. Understood. Thank you uh, for that. Because yeah. uh, sorry, I said thank you. I you know I was mistaken on that, and I appreciate the. Uh, no, and, and, and yeah, but, but I have realized now that we have never talked uh, about this, uh, my, my, my bro. <laughs> we have talked a lot about the characteristic of the wine, but I never, never chatted with you about the origin of 90% of the grapes that are here. So is my, I, I'm, I'm the guilty. <laughs> no, no, no. I should be asking those questions as an ambassador. So I appreciate that. So, I mean, we've, so you started to talk about your reds. So let's get more involved with your reds, your Ionico. And um, what biotype of Ionico is it that you're using in your vineyards? It's exactly the same biotype of Ionico del Vulture. Uh, as I said to you before, we are only six miles far from the border with Basilicata. And from my highest vineyard, I see the Vulture volcano. Obviously, the characteristic of our Aglianico that we use uh, blending in our top red wine that is called Pierre de Levigne in honor of the right-hand man of the 
uh, Emperor Frederick II of Swabia uh, are quite different because are not grown on volcanic soil as uh, the, the, the bull turret. But the biotype is exactly the same of uh, um, uh, uh, Basilicata Alianica del Vulture uh, grape. Excellent. And your Uvo de Troya, I tasted that for the first time the last time you were here, and I immediately had to buy cases of it because it was incredible. Tell us, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that um, that variety, and uh, you know, it's it's actually as I taste people on it, it's very popular amongst my amongst my guests. Um, so I'm interested on seeing if you've had seen growth in that in that particular variety and how you see it in the future. Okay. The Ritroia is the wine that I used to drink at home. It's my house wine. Uh, the reason is, uh, for me, is the next big thing from Puglia, big thing from Puglia, if we, we will we be able obviously with the help of people like you, like Stevie, to promote it. Because Nerditroia for the international market is still an obscure grape. Nobody knows about it. Uh, but for me, the characteristics of the wine are really, really outstanding. All the people like you that taste it for the first time, they rebuy the wine. The reason is that this grape, the origin of this grape, are probably from somewhere in southeastern Europe. The legend says that uh, it came from the legendary city of Troy, transported from uh, refugees of that world, arrived in Puglia, founded a small town called Troy, called Troia, and planted this grape there about 3,000 years ago. These are the legends. What is true that this grape was imported in Puglia from some from refugees that was coming probably somewhere nearby Turkey. They have planted this grape, uh, unfortunately, in the wrongest place of Puglia at that time, on the Tavoliere delle, delle, delle Puglia, that is the flattest part of Puglia, uh, very rich in water. This grape, when it has a lot of water and stay on flat area, gives huge tons per hectare. And for this reason, this wine for centuries was sold only as a bulk wine to blending with other wine, red wines in cause of its natural lively tenants. Only recently, not more than 30 years, few wineries in Puglia, uh, like us, uh, we have tried something different. We have planted it in altitude. We have reduced drastically the yields per hectare. And the result is a wine with absolutely unique and distinctive personality. I prefer their Troia when it's unoaked because it has natural noble tannins, medium body, very long on palate, wonderful in nose with... Uh, Ends of uh, cherries, violets, and it works absolutely perfectly with wide range of food from meat, pasta, pizza, and also with fish. For example, one of my favorite pairing of Nerdy Troya is with uh, uh, the grilled salmon. Uh, I tell you 
the first time that I sold this wine in the United States was only 200 cases of 12. I have to push on my importer, the mythical Leonardo Locascio, to buying this, uh, this wine. Uh, he have buy it only because he is a very, very close friend of mine. He do not believe a lot in this wine. We have sold the 200 cases of the wine to only one restaurant in the village in New York City in two weeks. And the reason is that the people that have tasted this wine paired with, the, it was a Roman restaurant, paired with Italian pasta, truly Italian pasta, immediately want to rebuy and retaste it. Incredible. The tannins are high, but yet refined. And, and uh, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful wine in the glass. So what is your position on sustainability with the winery? Ah, yeah. This is uh, what we are talking a lot uh, all, over, all over the world, but few people are doing uh, something really different. In 2004, when my daughter was born, is the, you know, it's very simple and very truthfully. Only at that moment, I have realized that I have to do something to preserve the environment for the future generation. We have started uh, uh, the organic training methods in our winery. We have reached 100% of the surface, 45 hectares in 2008. And since that moment, we are organic and vegan certified with with ICEA, that is one of the most strict control authorities of all Europe. But it's not only that. From that moment, we have changed completely in our mind uh, on everything. We have started planting uh, half hectare of new forest every year. Now we manage a 30 hectares forest that uh, compensate 10 times the CO2 emission that the winery put in the atmosphere. And I'm not talking only about the winery, uh, the tractors, my car, but in the calculation is included also the travels that we do all around the world every year, in exception of the last two pandemic years. We have, uh, in 2021, uh, um, uh, built a solar panel uh, power uh, central on the rooftop of the winery that gave to us 90% of the energy that we need and the other 10% is produced by two small windmills that we have uh, in the fields. And in 2016, we have completed this uh, process uh, of uh, sustainability uh, program uh, using uh, 90% of recycled glass for our bottle, recycled paper for our boxes, and recycled papers for our labels. Um, that must have been very difficult to achieve and very expensive um, to get to that point. Is your philosophy on sustainability, is it uh, a movement in the region or 
is it uh, just a discussion? What are you uh, What are you seeing from other producers? Uh, we have a big problem. The producers, like me and like all the others, have to invest and gain. Uh, we are, uh, you know, not a, a non-profit organization. The problem is this. All the people around the world are sensitive to this argument. All the producers are sensitive to these arguments. But at the moment, mostly of uh, final customers and importers don't want to buy more to preserve the environment and save the planet. And this is the reason why not many wineries can afford a sustainable program to go in this way because it's expensive and there is no way at this moment to not only gain money but to recover uh, the major quantity of money that we use investing in this process. It's definitely a long-term investment uh, to see the return on it, um, but it's definitely a necessary one for our for our world. Yes, yes, I um, agree. I agree. Uh, you, but uh, was uh, uh, I'm a little bit upset uh, because there are a lot of people that uh, only talk about uh, the environment, maybe having a meal or buying a. Sorry for to be a little bit polemic, but you know I was a lawyer. My real nature sometimes goes out. I'm like Hulk, you know. I became a little bit green when something like this. Uh, uh, happens. I think that uh, also the final customer have stopped stopped to talk only about uh, sustainable wines, natural wines, and all this thing, and giving their support, real support, to the winery that go in that way. Only in that way we can have more people that follow us. Agreed. Agreed. It's got to be a movement from from all points. Um, so as we're coming to the end of uh, my questions here, I I wanted to ask you, uh, and I know it's like asking, you know, what your favorite child is, um, which is not good, but uh, what are you, what wine are you, is your favorite and you're most proud of? Uh, I have to say two, uh, because uh, you know that there is a wine that is sold mainly in the United States that is called Rosé de Lulu, 100% from Nero de Troia grapes, dedicated to my daughter Lulu, because uh, the day that I was in this vineyard, this is a single vineyard Rosé, that is quite rare also, I was uh, buying this vineyard in the moment that my wife made me a phone call and said to me that uh, she was pregnant, and at that time, it was four years that we was trying to have a child. And also I'm proud because this Rosé de Lulu is a really, really, really unique uh, uh, Rosé wine because it has the color of the Provencal Rosé, but the structure of a Southern Italian Apulian Rosé. The second wine, obviously, uh, is the Gravina Bianco because we have saved uh, this appellation, historical appellation, 
from the disappearing. We are proudly the only one producer of this appellation in the world. And also because uh, for me is, uh, I don't want to be not modest, but for me at the moment is the indigenous, is the white wine from indigenous grape from Puglia that is the best white wine that show best than the other, the real characteristic of white wine, Southern Italian uh, in the world. If you haven't tasted either one of those wines, um, they are incredible. Um, and um, you need to go out and get some or go and visit Benny in, in Puglia. Um, so you've picked two wines. So what are you eating with both these wines? Oh, okay. With Gravina Doc is uh, what we call it the Apulian sushi. That is have, have nothing in common with sushi, only that is raw fish. We have fantastic mussels, fantastic uh, uh, oysters here. We have the, a shrimp called the Rossetto di Gallipoli that is a violet uh, you know, shrimp that has really, really a unique flavor. You know, you, every time, often we have talked about that I love uh, the way that you in the United States cook uh, your own fish or have raw fish. But also, you know, that uh, the fish that came from the Mediterranean Sea in cause of the most uh, concentration of salt is more savory than any fish that you can find uh, from the ocean in your country. And uh, this combination of salt-salt saltiness in the raw fish and saltiness and minerality in the back taste of the Gravina Bianco is something to die for. With the Rosé de Lulu is uh, fantastic to say that my favorite, absolutely favorite pairing is with the Asian spicy food. If you taste this Rosé uh, with sushi, for example, uh, with a little bit of wasabi, or uh, spicy shrimps uh, uh, typical from, you know, tandoori cuisine, you can have a great, great food and wine experience. Yeah, it's definitely, it's incredible with, it, uh, with Thai food. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Thai food. Because in course of the combination of uh, the tenants of the Nero di Troia, the acidity of the wine, uh, the minerality, you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of this Thai food, and the wine is able to clean completely your palate, and your palate is asking for more food and then back for more wine. It's a real treat for sure. So, you know, um, that's pretty much it for my questions, but I know there's probably some questions from the audience. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about uh, the famous... Uh, bridge in Gravina and the most recent movie it was it was in because it was a fantastic movie. I loved it. And I think it was Daniel Craig's last last time he was going to be uh, 007. Oh, it's incredible. We was a little bit, you know, unlucky because this movie was blocked for two years in cause of the pandemic and was played between Gravina and Matera exactly uh, between the beginning and the end, uh, sorry, the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and what is incredible, 
that is the bridge from where Mr. Craig, Mr. 007, James Bond, jumps down to avoid to be killed, is exactly underneath the window of my mother's bedroom. Because my parents, they are so lucky, lived in a, a 300 years old palace overlooking the gorge of Gravina. Please, if you can, go on internet and find the trailer of No Time to Die and uh, uh, the, the, all the, the, the scenes of the, the trailer are played exactly under the window of my mother's bedroom. I think I saw your mom drinking a glass of the Lulu um, in that trailer. <laughs> For sure. Looking at uh, the blonde hairs of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the lady that is with, uh, with uh, James Bond, And someone said that that actress looks so similar to my daughter, Lulu. That, that's a great compliment. I'm sure you're, I've never met your daughter, but um, I'm sure... You know, you being the father, she's a wonderful, uh, wonderful young lady. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. She's just turned 18, and I'm so proud of, of her. Is there anything else you want to let out to the crowd, or is anyone out there that wants to ask a question? No, I, I don't want to be boring for, for anyone. I, I'm at the disposal to any question. You know, as a lawyer, I have the tendency to... To, to talk a little bit uh, too much. <laughs> Just leave that to me. I'll be the boring part, Benny. <laughs> no, no, my brother, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> so anybody out there, you want to talk a little more about the DOC? Um, so what wines can you produce in the DOC besides white? No, no, there is. Actually, we are allowed to produce also uh, rosé, red, sparkling, and dessert wine. But in respect of the tradition, we have still maintained only the historical Gravina Bianco in two versions, as you know, because we have the Gravina Bianco and we have the single vineyard special selection that is, I know that is one of your favorite white wines, that is the Poggiol Bosco. Poggiol Bosco is... Uh, uh, it means literally translated place in the forest. We have given this name to the wine because uh, it came from a three hectares uh, single vineyard located in the middle of the biggest preserved area of central Puglia, a forest called uh, Difesa Grande, Bosco Difesa Grande. Uh, and uh, what is uh, fantastic is this vineyard that we have is the only vineyard of all our properties that is not on limestone, but is on Bordeaux pebbles stones uh, uh, planted. We make the selection of the single LT bounties, then a second selection of the single fruits on uh, selection tables, six months on lees, and uh, uh, one year of fining between uh, stainless steel and uh, bottle before release. Someone has called uh, this wine uh, the Apulian Chablis. I agree a little bit because this is probably the only white Apulian white that is fitted to develop very, very well in time. Agreed. Agreed. So 
We're going to hand the room over, back over to Stevie Kim. Thank you, Stevie, for giving us this opportunity. Okay, there you go. There's the pause <laughs> button. Thank you so much, Stevie. Listen, fantastic. Uh, Benjamino and Hugh, the, the Blue Brothers, the soulmates from Puglia to Princeton. Excellent uh, discussion going there. Um, there's no more time, actually, for questions. Um, but how do we get to uh, Botromagno? What is the nearest, um, closest airport, Benjamino? to get to your winery if someone it, wants to visit? Yeah, the closest airport is Bari. It's very Bari. easy to, yeah, it's very re- easy to reach because uh, there are two or three flights daily from Rome and Milan to Bari. Mm-hmm. If you arrive from any part of the United States, you arrive mostly from the East Coast, uh, is from uh, New York to, to Rome, and we have... Uh, you have 45 minutes flights to Bari, and then there are only 30 minutes from Bari Airport to my winery. Okay, okay, that's very good to know. And just um, an overview, how, ma- how many labels do you have in terms, how many wines do you produce? Actually, we produce in total 10 different wines. Uh, okay, six wines- and your signature wine is Gravina, is that correct? The signature wines for the white wines is Gravina, and uh, uh, the most selling uh, uh, wine from Red's uh, 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 International is our Primitivo. Uh, but also we sell successfully our top red wine that is called Pierre de la Vigne. Is, uh, the first vintage was in 1991 and it, it is a blend of uh, Aglianico 60% and Montepulciano 40%. Okay, so, so that's incredible. It. Yeah, I'm going to close up the room. I know that your handle is Botromagnovini, I I suppose both in um, Instagram and Twitter. And of course, Mr. Fermented Boss himself, um, Hugh Priest. Laika, did you want to come back and let us know who the next, um, the the lineup of the next guests? Yeah, we're still working on for the next week. Um, But then we have one confirmed from Chiro, who's actually here in this, oh, he's here in the room. Um, he's going to be interviewing Salvatore Avalone of Villa Matilde on July 25. Okay, excellent. Okay, everybody, see you next time. Ciao, ragazzi. Thank you very ciao, much. Ciao, Benjamino. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, you. Once again, here we go. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin Hi 
guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.